Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast, where developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. The six steps are establishing a covenant foundation, owning your brokenness, learning to share power, developing emotional attachment, cultivating sexual fireworks, and staying in love. I'm Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. If you believe in this podcast and like to help me keep it on the air, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash marriage steps. Depending on your level of support, which can range from $15 a month up to $50 a month, you'll receive a public thank you from me on the podcast, a free marriage training module of your choice, or two free tickets to my next Total Marriage Refresh seminar. The next one is coming up in Dallas, Texas, March 14th. So I look forward to seeing all of you there. Today is Therapy Thursday. So on Thursdays, I like to respond back to questions from listeners. So if you have a marriage question, you can send it to me through Facebook, through Instagram, or you can email me your question. And I like to spend Thursdays responding back to those questions because if one person had a question, I'm sure a lot of you listening have similar questions. And when I respond back to these questions, I try to pull out your name and your location and change them to protect your identity. So when you hear me say the name and the location, they're replaced by something I'm making up just to protect your identity so you can feel anonymous when I respond back. So the first question is Susan from Greeley, Colorado. She says, my husband died three years ago and I started dating a new man for a few months and we were sexually active, but now we're just really good friends. Now I'm dating a new man and he hates it when I text my previous boyfriend, even though we're just good friends. Is he wrong or am I? So my guideline, Susan, for this is no contact with previous lovers. Since you've been a lo- lovers with this person, the chance of romantic feelings coming back is always there. And because it's always there, it makes your partner continually anxious. And so out of consideration for your partner... You should have no contact with previous lovers, but also as a boundary for yourself because you've already worn down that path with this previous person of becoming lovers with them. So there's always that chance that those feelings could come back for you or for your lover to have start having those feelings again for you. And so because of that, it's ideal to have no contact with previous lovers. And then that shows respect for your new partner. And it shows them, I am loyal to you and I don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize my feelings for you. And so I would side with your boyfriend on this one, Susan, that it makes sense that he is feeling very anxious and uncomfortable when you're in touch with your previous boyfriend. So my recommendation would be to cut off all contact with your previous boyfriend. Second question is Jennifer from Denver, and she says, I have a medical condition that makes intercourse painful, so now we don't have a sexual relationship, even though I enjoy sex. Because of this, it's making our closeness fall apart. What should I do? So Jennifer, this is a common problem where couples, once they're married, focus on intercourse or nothing at all. And this is a problem... often for low libido partners because they don't have enough energy to want to have intercourse, so they choose nothing at all. Now there's no sexual activity. But it's also a problem for couples that go through medical conditions when intercourse becomes difficult or painful. And if intercourse is the only activity sexually a couple thinks they can do, then there's no sexual activity at all. 
And that harms the marriage because part of a healthy marriage is having a healthy sex life and regular sexual contact. But we need to view sex more like a buffet where you can have a salad, you can have an appetizer, you can have a drink, you can have all these options. And we did this when we were younger. Remember back to the days when making out was a big deal or going above the waist was a big deal or Going below the waist was a big deal, manually and then eventually orally. All those things when we were young were huge. But once we get married, we rush through all that or skip it altogether to get straight to intercourse. And then when intercourse isn't a possibility, we don't do anything at all. So Jennifer, what I would recommend is to maximize all the sexual activity you can do instead of focusing on what you can't do. So even though you can't have intercourse right now while you're trying to get your medical condition resolved, maximize everything else you can do. And so that would be manual and oral pleasure to one another above and below the waist. So whatever you both feel comfortable with, but maximize your sexual encounters on what you still can do, especially on a female with the vulva. There's so many hot spots with the clitoral head and the clitoral shaft and the the inner and outer lips of the vulva and the perineum and the frenulum. There's a lot of hot spots on the vulva that are overlooked because the focus is on penetration. But most women, pleasure goes down after intercourse begins because there's not enough clitoral stimulation. So just because you can't have intercourse does not mean you can't have sexual activity. So that's why I would encourage you to consider, Jennifer, is think about all the sexual activity you still can do even though you can't currently do intercourse. Next question is Sam from Colorado Springs, and he says, My wife and I adopted a girl when she was three, and now she's 16 and a mess. She's defiant, has experimented with drugs, and has terrible grades. We constantly fight about her, and it's ruining our marriage. What should we do? This is very common, Sam. I'm sorry to hear this because it's so common for difficult children to come in between parents. So a couple things I'd recommend. First thing, Sam, is I would recommend you and your wife bolstering your relationship. So that means increasing your quality time. Ideally, you're having 30 to 60 minutes a day of head-heart check, quality time, sharing your highs and lows without kids around, without tech, just cultivating the friendship of your relationship. 30 to 60 minutes a day is ideal. And then to have at least one date a week where you're getting out and and having fun with your partner and enjoying each other. And then once a week having a marriage huddle where you're talking about all important topics that pertain to your life. So you're on the same page. So you're building teamwork. So all of those things I would highly recommend you doing, Sam, right off the top so that you have a stronger marriage. Because you need a strong marriage when you're dealing with a difficult kid or a difficult teen. The next thing I'd recommend, Sam is don't make any decision around your teen unless you're behind closed doors with your partner making it together. And this is where you're going to need to bounce the ball. So this goes to marriage step number three, which is learning to share power. And so a lot of parents have different perspectives on how to parent a child. One parent's a little more lenient, the other parent's a little more strict, and then they butt heads And then one parent just moves forward with their decision and then the other parent doesn't like that so they override the other parent and now you have marital problems. So to reverse that, you need to stop making decisions about your teenager independently of one another 
and don't throw out any decisions in front of your teenager, but instead you need to go behind closed doors and talk through topic by topic how you guys can develop a unified front to your teen. And this is where you bounce the ball. So one person says their position, says the core need under that position, then bounces the ball by saying, what do you think? The other partner does the same thing. They share their position, their core need under that position. Then they bounce the ball back saying, what do you think? And now this is where things shift because now both partners have shared their opinion. So now partner A has to shift their position by a few degrees to honor what partner B just said. So they say their new opinion and then they bounce the ball by saying, what do you think? Now partner B has to do the same thing. They have to honor, they have to adjust their position by a few degrees to honor what partner A's position is. So now partner B says their new position and they bounce the ball right back by saying, what do you think? And you keep doing that back and forth until you reach an agreement on how you're going to approach your teen on the topic you're discussing. And you do that topic by topic by topic so that instead of letting this difficult teen tear you apart, it builds you together because it creates and requires time for you guys as a couple to be not only bolstering your marriage, but also sharing power, bouncing the ball, becoming a unified front. The fourth question is Mark from Boulder, and he says, my wife continually does something that hurts my feelings, and she won't stop. What should I do? A couple of recommendations on this, Mark. First question is, look at yourself. Are you potentially getting triggered? And a trigger is when a behavior is making you react in a way that seems stronger than warranted. So that's one thing to look at is, are you getting triggered? Is her behavior out of line? Perhaps it is. Or are you getting triggered from something in your past? Or is it a little bit of both? So that's one thing to ask yourself is, are you getting triggered? Is your wife's behavior stirring up some type of trauma, perhaps unhealed trauma from your history, and it's making you have a strong reaction? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but that's a good question to ask. The second thing to do, Mark, is you want to express your feelings towards your spouse using a soft startup. A lot of us, when we get upset or we're hurt, we verbally attack or we withdraw, and both are toxic. So the soft startup is designed as a third path. And the soft startup is you start with how they've gotten better. Then you comment on how they may be innocent. Then you comment on how you may be contributing through your strong reaction because it's violating a value or it's triggering a wound or perhaps you've done something directly that may be influencing their hurtful behavior. And then you go into your complaint. In your complaint, you can't say the word you always or never. You want to identify your tender underbelly under the anger and you, and your core need. So that's your soft startup, how they've gotten better, how they might be innocent, how you may have contributed, and then your complaint. If you express it that way, usually you're going to get a different reaction from your partner because they're going to be more empathetic and more motivated to do something to honor what you're feeling. So I would suggest uh, bringing up that topic that way, Mark. If that still doesn't go well, the next step is to see a marriage counselor. So if you're seeing a marriage counselor, you want to explore the dynamic. Perhaps you're doing some things you're not aware of. Perhaps you do have some trauma in your background. Perhaps she has trauma in her background, which is why she's not responding sensitively. Who knows? There could be hidden things going on that aren't articulated yet. But ideally through marriage counseling, all of that would get uncovered and then there could be some headway. 
However, if after three to six months of marriage counseling, if your wife is still hard-hearted and refuses to change, and she continually hurts you by what she's doing, the next step would be separation. And separation is usually an intervention to get the partner's attention who has a hard heart. So that's all for Therapy Thursday. Again, remember to send me your messages so I can respond back to you on Thursdays. So thank you for listening to the Marisep podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, please subscribe, click the five stars, leave a review, and tell your family and friends about it. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. That's D-R-W-Y-A-T-T-F-I-S-H-E-R.com. And follow me at facebook.com forward slash drwyattfisher or on Instagram at drwyattfisher. Also, if this podcast has made a positive impact on your relationship or if you have suggestions on topics I should cover, I'd love to hear from you at info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you care for it, it will thrive. But if you don't, it will start to die. The choice is up to you. Take care.